0: Thank okay. you. Come on, everybody say acts. There's moments in the Bible where Jesus encounters people and they're just like this because of what life has done to them. I just couldn't let it go. I couldn't what my ex did to me. I couldn't let it go. What the religious people did to me here, Stephen is surrounded by religious people who are supposed to be protecting him and they are killing him with their words. You go, I may not have, Paul, I've never killed anyone. Yeah, you may never have killed anyone with your actions, but maybe you've killed them with your words. Maybe you've killed them with your thoughts. Some of you have thought about murdering somebody. I know. You go, how does he know that? How's he reading my thoughts? I just know because we're human. When someone really hurts us, we start thinking thoughts. If I could put your thoughts up on the screen when you have been hurt the most by somebody and you are all by yourself in the car and you are imagining things, y'all are like, don't put that up on the screen. (laughs) It's rated R. Don't put it up on the screen. So how how do I get rid of this? Forgiveness allows me to start unpacking the stones. Forgiveness allows me to say, God. What they did was wrong, but I'm choosing to bring it to the altar. I'm choosing not to let this affect me and I'm not going to carry this. In fact, I'm going to take off this backpack. What if a guarded heart has nothing in front of it except the blood of Jesus? What if a guarded heart is not wearing armor right here, but just the breastplate of righteousness to say. His mercy has, has given me so much love. His grace has empowered me through so much of my own sin. How could I not offer forgiveness for what Jesus has given to me? Amen. So when rocks come, because they will come, you go, well, what do I do when rocks come? If I don't have a backpack, what do I do with the rocks? Would you just stand right here? Tim? I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> When a rock comes to someone who's not got a pocket, because if you got pockets, the rocks will fall in there. But when you do, Tim doesn't have any pockets on his shirt. When there's no pockets, it hits and it falls off. It hits and it falls off like water off a duck's back. Rhino hide heart of a dove. I purpose in my heart to walk in love because I am a forgiven, loved believer. Give Tim a big hand. guarding your heart is not letting people treat you like trash. It's just choosing that you are not going to carry resentment towards those people who hurt you. Anyone in this room been hurt by somebody? Anybody need to forgive those people? Yeah, because unforgiveness is like drinking poison. You're going down. You're going to die for that. I'm unhinged because of what they did. You're gonna pay, 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 pay. Y'all ever seen Princess Bride where the guy, you know, he's like sitting across Montoya, Hugo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And that guy's drinking the poison. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyone grow up on Princess Bride? That's a classic. And he dies from the poison. That's what happens when I don't forgive you. It hurts me more than it hurts you. It hurts me. It robs me of life. It robs me of joy. It robs me of peace. So Joseph sees them and look at Genesis 45 verse one. Finally, he can't handle it any longer. And Stephen's talking about this right before he's about to die. Stephen's given a sermon on forgiveness. In Genesis 45 verse one, Joseph could no longer control his emotions in front of all the attendants. So he says, everyone leave except my brothers. In other words, this confrontation does not need to be in front of everybody else. There's no reason for everyone else to see the pain that I'm walking through. This is between me and the people who offended me. You don't have to blast it on Facebook. You don't have to make a blast on social media of what people did to you. Well, Paul, they need to pay for it, so I'm gonna tell the whole world How, how is that? We want our world to get better, but when we add to the noise of pain, it only gets worse. So we've gotta learn, where do I take my pain? Do I take my pain to Instagram, Facebook? Where do I take my hurt? Where do I take my church hurt? Where do I take my family hurt? Where do I take my trauma? Where do, do I just tell the whole world, just blast it and wait for comments and likes so that I feel better about myself? That doesn't bring healing either. The only place where healing can happen is between you and God, and if there's a chance, between you and the person who offended you. And sometimes you don't get that chance. Sometimes it's just you and God. But Joseph has the chance and he begins to weep so loud that the Egyptians can hear his tears, but they can't hear his whispers. And Joseph says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not even speak. They were terrified in his presence. Joseph said, come close to me come close to me. Come close to me. See my scars. See what happened. And he says, don't be depressed. Don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves. Look what Joseph says. Don't be angry with yourselves. You sold me, but God saved me. You tried to get rid of me, but God sent me ahead of you to provide for you, and I forgive you. Somebody say, I forgive you. Joseph threw his arms around his brothers, and he began to weep on Benjamin. And then from Benjamin, he kissed each of his brothers, weeping over them, hugging them, saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. Here's what forgiveness does in the process of forgiveness. It rewires the memories. It doesn't make what they did okay, but it changes the memory from negative to positive. He said, you intended to harm me, but God turned it for good. You intended to kill me. You thought this was going to end me. You thought I'd commit suicide after this. You thought I'd never get back into into what God's called me to do. But God used what you did to me to purify me, to purge me, to grow me, to build my character, to strengthen me in the pit. God used what the enemy meant to take me out for my good. Forgiveness helps me to look at something that was so painful and go, God used it. Somebody said, God used it. Can God use the painful things in your life? He's not the author of your trauma, but he is the healer. He's not the author of your pain. He's your healer. Last night after service, this elderly woman came forward and she brought her young, I thought was her daughter. And she says, this is my great niece. I'm her great aunt. I've basically raised her. And as I was talking to both of them, she said, the, the, the uh, great aunt, she said, I've experienced so much pain from my ex-husband. And she said, if I only told you just a fraction of it, It's a movie, what's happened to me? She said, Tonight, God just started turning my heart to forgive him. And then the the great niece, she starts crying and she says, uh, she says, My dad abused me when I was little, sexually, physically, and emotionally. And she said, We drive here from Chakota as much as we can, an hour and a half drive, two or three times a month. By the way, I'm so thankful for people who drive 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 miles to come to Victory Church. Y'all, this is a special place. People will get up early to get here, driving from Kansas to come to church here. And they said, we, we drive here. And um, she said, I've been abused. She said, I could not forgive my dad. And I said, I am getting as far the blank away from him as possible. And she said, and because I didn't forgive him, I married a guy who ended up being just like him. She said, my husband was abusive physically, emotionally, verbally, all of it. She said, I got pregnant with our first baby. And within a few months, he left me for another woman. And she said, I was so mad. My heart literally had problems. I was rushed to the hospital. I had to have open heart surgery and I lost the baby at five months. She said, this was all right before COVID hit. Once COVID hit, the depression just came hard. My husband was gone. My baby was gone. She said, my dad died that same time that my baby died. And he never apologized. She said, we went to court fighting for what he did to me and my sister. And he denied everything. Never apologized. Never owned any of it. And then he died. And she said, he got away with it. and she said tonight i was just reminded of the importance of forgiveness forgiveness she says i'm so glad that you said it was a process that it wasn't a one time thing cuz she said i've been trying and she said you know what god's done a work in my heart cuz i've 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 been on a path of forgiveness she said tonight was just another part of that path She said, I want to go to Bible college. Do you guys have a Bible college? I said, yeah, Victory Bible College. She said, God's given me a testimony. Someday I'm going to minister to other women. Someday I'm going to share my story of what God's done in me. What forgiveness does is it sets me free of the poison because some people will never apologize for what they did. Some people will never. No one can fully calculate what they've done to you. So Stephen tells this story. And he says, Joseph forgave them. Go back to Acts chapter seven. Not only did he forgive them, but he gave them houses. He gave them food in a famine. He provided for them. And in and, and Acts chapter seven, it says from here, the whole family, 75 in all, verse 14, came. And even Jacob, the father of Joseph, came down to Egypt, living 17 years with Joseph and, and, and their bodies were brought back to Shechem. In other words, Joseph forgave his brothers, took care of them, took care of all their children, their grandchildren. Talk about radical forgiveness. Some of you are like, I can forgive them, but don't ask me for a dime because I know what you did. But Joseph not only forgave them, but paid for their houses, paid for their food, took care of their kids. And y'all go, that's just too radical for me. But yet Joseph lived a blessed This is why Jesus said in Matthew five verse seven, blessed are the merciful, we are blessed when we walk in mercy, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Jesus said, when you pray, every time you pray, pray these words, our father who art in heaven. If you want to say it with me, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. All right, stop right there. Stop right there. Y'all are like, wait a minute. Why did he sneak that line in there? Forgive me as I forgive fill in the blank. Lord, forgive me the way that I forgive her. And God goes, you sure about that? Because the way you forgave her is probably not the way you want me to forgive you. Lord, forgive me the way that I forgive whoever is responsible for these high gas prices right now. Quick trip. And God goes, I've heard what you've said under your breath about whoever is responsible for this. You sure you want me to forgive you the way you forgive him? The way you forgive the government, the president, the way you forgive... They don't deserve your forgiveness. So Peter asks this question when he's talking to Jesus. He says, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Jesus says, seven times, 70. Peter says, I was thinking only seven times. Seven times, that's pretty generous. Then we get to cancel them, cut them off, excommunicate them from church, never allow them back into our lives, be totally done with them forever, wish that they would burn in hell. Jesus says, no. No. I say, forgive them seven times 70. Peter goes, 490 times. Jesus says, no. In other words, you can't put a limit on forgiveness because the Greek word for forgiveness means to exhale. In other words, if you want to forget, if you don't want to forgive, you're choking yourself. How long can you hold your breath? How long can you Hold your breath, right? Our kids, we always have this competition. How long can I hold my breath underwater? Hold my breath. Don't exhale. Don't, don't, don't come up for air. Don't get your air back. It kills you. Eventually, you pass out or you die. Jesus says, if you want to keep living, you got to keep on breathing, which means you got to keep on forgiving. Inhale the mercy. Exhale the mercy. Inhale His forgiveness for you because you know you need it. You know you've messed up. You need His forgiveness. And as much as you inhale it, let it out breathe out the forgiveness of God on others if you've inhaled it exhale it if you've got all that air inside for you because when you miss it you want grace when your kids miss it you're hoping the teacher gives them grace when your friends that are close to you that you'll fight for when they miss it you you're okay with grace but when somebody wrongs you you're like no grace for them and God says as much as you need it give it away. As much as you need that forgiveness, how do I forgive? Number one, I've got to remember what I've been forgiven of by God. Everybody say, remember, remember, remember what you've been forgiven of by God. Number two, reflect on how Jesus forgave those who killed him and all of us of our sin. In Luke 24, Jesus said, father from the cross, while he's dying, while people are making fun of him, mocking him, putting a spear in his side, putting wine to his mouth, telling him that he's a heretic. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, reflect on how Jesus forgave people and even said they're ignorant of how much pain they've caused. Because some of us in the room, we go, they know how much. No, people don't fully know how much pain they've caused. They don't. We don't. Jesus says, I forgive them because I believe they don't even realize what they've done. Reflect on how Jesus forgave those. If Jesus forgave, if anyone in the room has been crucified before, then you can maybe be on the same side. But none of us in this room have ever hung on a cross before. Yet Jesus did. And in hanging on a cross, he forgave people and even said they know not what they do. Thirdly, how do I forgive? I recite the Lord's prayer and I pause on the part about forgiveness. I just get there and I go, Lord, forgive me as I forgive. And again, it's a process. I got to keep saying it. I got to keep speaking it by faith. Forgiveness is a faith act, by the way. Doesn't mean you have to feel it. Doesn't mean that it's all perfect, but you just go by faith. I forgive them by faith. I release them. Number four, I release the need to see people suffer or pay for. I want the band to come out. I release the need to see people suffer or pay for it. Some of us in the room, we would go, I forgive them, but I want to see them suffer. I forgive them, but I need to see them die for what I want them to burn in hell for what they did. Y'all are like, he is being way too honest up on stage. If I don't talk about it here, CNN's going to keep talking about it with another shooting. Fox news is going to dissect it. And I think the church needs to really dive into where do all of these murderous thoughts come from? Where where does all of this hostility, where do all the church splits and the division and the strife? What got the book of Acts, what got them the blessing of God and what caused the pain to happen in their church? It was all anger, unforgiveness. Even when later on in, in the book of Acts, Paul has a dispute with Mark. They literally get in like this fight. They never want to talk to each other again. They're just like, I'm done, right? And Barnabas is fighting for their hearts to be reconciled to each other. In the book of Acts, there's moments where the disciples get in sharp disputes with each other, with other religious leaders. There's hurt, there's anger, there's strife. And Jesus said, there's going to be offenses. it, It is inevitable to go to church, to be around flawed humans, flawed Christians, and not experience hurt and offense. That's going to happen. But what you do with it will determine the blessing you walk in or the blessing you reject. Ultimately, unforgiveness keeps us in chains and when I have unforgiveness I'm literally wrapping myself up up in chains and drew this time I'll put it on you instead of Tim Tim's like not me again will you hold this side and I'm saying man I want to move forward I want to go forward into God's calling here's what bitterness does it entangles me it entangles me and I'm trying to move forward I want you to just pull drew I'm trying to move forward towards my destiny, but I'm still chained to my history of what someone did to me. Paul, oh, I'm trying to move forward, and I just can't figure out why I'm not happy. I just can't figure out why, why all my relationships are, are not good. I can't figure out why I can't be peaceful. I can't figure out why I can't sleep at night. In Acts chapter 8, there's a guy who gets saved, Simon the sorcerer. And he tries to pay to get the power of God. And Peter rebukes him. He says, you cannot buy the power of God. It is not for sale. But then he says this, go to eight, chapter eight, verse 20, 24, actually. I don't have my, my Bible's over there, (laughs) verse 23. No, no, no. Don't let me get it, Drew. Keep me back. There it is. Peter says this, I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. Your version might say, your heart is trapped in bitterness. John Bevere calls offense the bait of Satan. The the Greek word for offense is scandalon, which means a trap. It is a trap to carry an offense towards people to carry hurt, to carry under, and it traps you and it chains you so you can't move forward. The only way to get out of the gall of bitterness, the only way for these guys to be free of greed and hurt, anger says, you owe me, you owe me. The only way to be free of the you owe me mentality is to say, no, you don't owe me because Jesus has paid the price. He's paid the price and I forgive you and I receive his forgiveness as much as I need it I've got to release it you no longer owe me anger says you owe me you owe me an apology you owe me my life you owe me a year back for what you stole from me and yet forgiveness goes no no that was a painful year but God used what the enemy meant for harm to do something deep inside my spirit and and what was supposed to end me what was supposed to kill me what was I got unwrapped I got un Raveled from the chains of my past. So I'm no longer attached to my past. I can now move forward. Forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness unlocks your future. Forgiveness unlocks. Watch what happens in in Acts chapter 7. At the end of Stephen's life. I'm almost done. Give me like one more minute. Um, At in verse 57. At the end of Stephen's sermon. The religious people covered their ears. Yelling at the top of their voices. Unhinged. This is we're we're in the we're in an age of outrage. People have lost they no longer have a short fuse. They don't have a fuse at all. Whether it's on social media or in real life action, we're seeing this play out, the age of outrage. They dragged Stephen out of the city. Witnesses of the shooting said there was murder in their eyes. You could feel the anger in their eyes. We just prayed for a family who just lost five kids to a homicide in Houston, Texas, because someone walked into a house and killed five people all in the same family, a 10 year old, a 13 year old, a 15 year old, a mom and a dad. The age of outrage has plagued so many people. Anger has gripped people. They dragged Stephen out of the city and they begin to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses were laying their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, Stephen looked up to heaven and said, God, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and he cried out. I wonder if Saul was listening what Stephen would say. If Stephen would scream, Lord, make them pay for what they did. Send them to hell for this. Make them die for this. Make their kids, you know, like Davidic psalm prayers. Make everybody pay for this. But instead, Stephen says, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. What if Stephen's forgiveness was a seed towards Saul's future? What if Stephen's forgiveness was what would later? unravel Saul's heart of bitterness so he would become the most influential writer in the in the New Testament. Writing 13 books, Saul would later become Paul the Apostle. And I believe this moment where he witnessed Stephen forgiving his killers, forgiving those people who had rushed him out of the city. When he saw this, something was happening. I want you to stand your feet all over this room. You have no clue what forgiveness will do, not just for you, but for everyone around you. Forgiveness is a gift to your life more than it is a gift to the person who hurts you. Forgiveness is not really a gift to someone who lets you down. Forgiveness is a gift to you. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only to realize the prisoner was you all along. It was me. Forgiveness builds up my mercy trust fund for the times in my future that I'll need forgiveness. We don't know when we're going to need it, but someday we will. And if we sow good seeds of mercy, we'll reap a harvest of mercy just felt like God wanted me to just finish the sermon with this story. And, uh, I put it in my notes here in Spain. There's a famous story, true story told of a father and a son who had gotten so angry at each other. They stopped talking for years, decades past. The son had moved far away from the father. And one day the father found it in his heart to forgive. He set out to find his son. He searched for him for many months with no success. Finally, in desperation, the father took out a newspaper ad and he put it all over Spain. And the ad on the front page said these words in big, bold letters. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon this Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On that upcoming Saturday, 800 men named Paco showed up in front of the newspaper office looking for forgiveness from their father. How many Paco's are just waiting for a dad to say, I forgive you, son. And why do we hold it back? Dads, don't we need forgiveness from God? How many fathers are waiting for a son to say, I forgive you, Dad? Sons, don't we need forgiveness? How many daughters, mothers, are just waiting for someone to say, I forgive you? Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to hearts and homes today. God. Just begin to drain out the poison. Do heart surgery right now in this service. I pray, God, that you would pull out every weed, everything, every stone that's been sitting in our hearts from what happened when we were young what happened when we even in the last week what happened even this morning on the way to church I pray God that we would be a church that is free of bitterness Lord a church that is full of love acceptance forgiveness a church God that welcomes home the sinner God, a church that chooses to walk in grace and mercy lifting people up getting down in the dust and saying go and sin no more where are your accusers neither do I condemn you I pray in Jesus name God, that we would walk in that mercy you preached about in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meek in heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst in righteousness. Blessed are the Stevens. Blessed are those who say, do not hold this sin against them. Oh God, I pray that we would be full of radical forgiveness. Spirit, I pray God that you would birth the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance with one another. Kindness, gentleness, self-control, God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone in the room today that you just say, I need to let go of some things. I need to surrender some things at the altar. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need forgiveness. I need God's mercy. I need God's healing in my mind and heart. I've been walking through some things. I need to forgive some people who have hurt me. I need to get on a path of forgiveness. I'm not saying it's just going to be a one time thing. I'm just saying maybe today is a step on the journey, a step towards healing, a step towards reconciliation, a step towards hope, a step towards restoration. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand all over this room. You're saying, I need to show forgiveness. I need to receive forgiveness. I need to extend mercy. I need God's healing in my heart. If you raised your hand or you wanted to, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar. If you got to run down here, if you got to walk fast, if you got to bring a family member, bring a son, bring your great niece, bring your aunt, bring your uncle, bring your wife, bring your husband, whatever you got to do to say, today I want the Holy Spirit to start healing areas in my heart where there has been unresolved conflict where there's been unresolved anger where there's been resentment where there's been stones that have been sitting there for years today today God I am releasing it today God I'm reciting the Lord's Prayer today I'm remembering the the mercy that I need and today I'm choosing to exhale to breathe out to let it go today's the day of healing Maybe you're here right now and you just say, I need to get right with God. I need to get down to that altar. I need prayer. I'm walking through some stuff. Come and join us. Maybe the sermon wasn't even for you today. It was for someone you know. But today you're here at church for such a time as this. And God is calling you to get right with him. If you need to surrender your heart to Jesus, come and join us at this altar. If you're here today and you say, man, I have never given my heart to the Lord. I want to get saved today. Come and meet us at the altar. Come on. God is moving in this service right now. Let's just take a few minutes before we dismiss just to let the Holy Spirit minister to those at this altar, in the room, online. Yeah, let's just sing this to God. Just take a minute just to worship Him.